Hello and welcome to Sticky from the Inside, the employee engagement podcast that looks at how to build stickier, competition-smashing, consistently successful organisations from the inside out. I'm your host, Andy Gorham, and I'm on a mission to help more businesses turn the lights on behind the eyes of their employees, light the fires within them, and create tons more success for everyone. This podcast is for all those who believe that's something worth going after and would like a little help and guidance in achieving that. Each episode, we dive into the topics that can help create what I call stickier businesses, the sort of businesses where people thrive and love to work and where more customers stay with you and recommend you to others because they love what you do and why you do it. So if you want to take the tricky out of being sticky, listen on. Okay, then. On today's show, we will explore the future of employee engagement analysis and discover innovative ways to create a more empowered and productive workforce. As we move forward, I think the topics we'll discuss today will be crucial for every leader and manager out there looking to improve their workplace environment and unlock their people's full potential. Now, Many of us are familiar with engagement surveys. We've probably all had good and bad experience with them. But I'd like to look into this in a little bit more detail today and shed some light on how they can fail to capture the full picture of employee engagement. Why simply asking a few questions once a year falls way short in understanding the true pulse of your organization. What's going on inside it? And most importantly, what you could do with that information once you have it. Now, the significance of listening and acting on feedback is, for me, one of the fundamentals of employee engagement and retention. It can strengthen teams, boost morale and drive growth. We all know that, surely. But today, you need to create a culture where feedback is not only encouraged, but also acted upon. If Fostering a culture of trust and openness is really what you want. Now, to achieve that, you have to go beyond the traditional annual survey. There are some really cool developments in the world of employee engagement tracking, and we'll delve into that exciting realm with the help of my guest today, Yako Kaikoluoma from Team Spective. Now, Yako will show us just where these innovative new developments are bringing us new things to look at and different ways to really see what's going on within our organizations. So you can take positive, relevant, and personalized action to improve this. He helps run a cutting-edge platform that helps organizations really see this stuff and unlock the full potential of their teams. He's also going to introduce us to the concept of organizational and personal network analysis and how it holds tremendous potential for transforming how we understand employee engagement. And I hope we'll explore how this innovative approach can provide a much more accurate and nuanced understanding of the dynamics within your organization. So whether you're a seasoned manager or a curious leader, I think this episode has the potential to equip you with valuable insights and some really practical tips on how to improve employee engagement and enhance your workplace culture. Welcome to the show, Yako. Thank you, Andy. It's a great pleasure to be here. It's fantastic to have you here. 
Yako, I'm really looking forward to this chat today because, to be fair, I mean, I've had a few chats about employee engagement and uh, people analytics, and you know, someone from the outside could see this as quite a dry topic. Far from it for me, because I think when you get this stuff right, the insights that you can generate about what's really going on in your organization can propel performance and engagement and retention like beyond your wildest dreams, I think, if you really get it right. So I'm really looking forward to getting into that. But before we do, Yako, just do me a favor. Give us a little bit of background to you, to Team Spective, and what you're currently focused on. Absolutely. So um, I'm from Finland. So I studied industrial engineering. That's my back study background. And it's a business degree in a technical university uh, that focuses mostly on people and organizational design. Mm. So it's a it's a curious background. And then when I went to uh, work, uh, I did about a decade in uh, software sales and marketing. Uh, and also I developed and led some sales and marketing teams. And, you know, in every role and in every company where I worked, I saw the same uh, problems happening that there are some issues that are really difficult to kind of um, name them and also to talk about them directly so that you could find solutions. And people are quite hesitant to bring up their ideas. They don't want to get like seem rude or, and you have these like barriers to discussion in psychological safety. So that, that was the problem that I witnessed everywhere I went. I talked about it with basically everyone and then I I just fell in love with the problem because there are quite good solutions uh, that companies and people can implement in order to have better, more meaningful discussions in their workplaces, but also at home. And and also like develop those relationships, get them to work right. That's going to be hugely beneficial for companies and people in them. It's incredible, isn't it? The knock-ons of we talk about this stuff in a work context, but the parallels on how this stuff can help at home uh, it would never fail to amaze me. You know, you do um, behavioral insights with people at work and they take it home to the wife and kids and all of a sudden everybody understands why they don't communicate properly. You know, <laughs> there's so many knock-ons today. So I'm fascinated to hear your view on that when we dig into that for sure. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And, um, well, the first thing that I kind of, um, laser focused on was feedback. Uh -huh. And that was my entry point kind of to people analytics and also engagement market as a whole, because I didn't have much exposure uh, mm -hmm. to that earlier on. So, uh, feedback was something that I really wanted to solve. And the trick there is if you ask people directly, they will respond and they will share their ideas. But if you try to force some discussion and uh, kind of get your point across, it's not going to work as well. So you need that from both sides of the conversation, like be open to hearing each other out. That's the that's the key. So asking for feedback was actually the first app that, that we created that oh, okay. led, led to the development of TeamSpective. And nowadays, we help companies use actionable people analytics so that their people can discuss and tackle exactly the right issues in their work and in their teams and in their relationships. I think this is where we're seeing a lot of development. I mean, tech has obviously enabled 
many, many things in many, many different genres, but particularly in this space. Engagement surveys, pulse surveys, feedback has come quite a long way in the last five, 10 years. But I think some of the things that I hope you're going to share with us today kind of mm. move it on again. I, I hope you don't mind, Yako. I did a bit of, I guess, soul searching. Okay. I had to think about engagement surveys, my own experiences with them, both as a client and as a practitioner. And I tried to sort of summarize what I think the shortfalls are of the more traditional kind of engagement surveys that I mentioned in the intro. I want to share them with you for two reasons. One, get your thoughts. Am I am I completely off whack here? Have I got it completely wrong? And, and that's not the way of the world. But also, how do they match up to the solutions you're trying to find to move things on? Okay. So let me just run through this list. I think the gap starts with sometimes a lack of context in traditional surveys. So because the questions are normally quite closed, I think it's very hard to add context and to ask and maybe even decipher some of the more nuanced answers that that could come back if you asked slightly different questions that weren't as closed or weren't based on scales. So there's a, there's a context piece, I think, that traditional surveys can struggle with. I think sometimes you get superficial responses. So if there's any sort of pressurization from the organization for someone to fill it in, God forbid there's incentivization. But all those things can influence almost a thought to, I must give a socially desirable answer or a politically correct response, especially if organizations don't really nail down that anonymous piece behind it, or really if they don't have the psychological safety for people to stand up and, and, and say things out, out front. I think timing and frequency are also an issue because I think they have traditionally had a more rigid nature. You know, the annual or semi-annual uh, survey can't pick up real-time evolving sentiment as to, as to what's going on. And I know pulse surveys come in and try and rectify some of that, but it's not quite the same. I think length fatigue, that's my own phrase. I'm not sure it's a real thing, but I think at the point of, a survey going out, some companies could be so desperate to find as much as they possibly can out that the length of some of these questionnaires become, well, just too much. And you get fatigue when you're filling them in and then you skip a few questions and you just gloss over a few bits and pieces. I know I'll, I'll, I'll put an average answer or whatever it might be. And so I think the quality of answers can be affected greatly by the length of those those questionnaires. Just a couple more or so to go. I think the biggest, saddest thing, which I know you're really hot on, the lack of action and follow-up that follows on from a survey. I think that could leave employees feeling disengaged and skeptical of the whole process. You know, what? why should I give my time and effort and thoughts if nothing's ever going to happen with it? And I think over time, that's where you start to see lower response rates and signals of reduced trust in the organization, which is exactly the opposite of what we're trying to achieve with the survey. I think also, there's a limited perspective that can be given. So I think, again, traditional surveys tend to look at the one-person individual view of engagement. doesn't necessarily pick up some of the group nuances that you might see or the broader cultural issues that there like, are. There could be power biases or communication biases. It doesn't really get picked up in a traditional survey. And then finally, I think it's just an incomplete picture. And maybe some of that is the focus on the the quantitative stuff with the Likert scales and what have you. But 
the quality of valuable insights that get missed from those sorts of things. The ability to capture people's real experiences, emotions may be even tied to some of those things. And the more qualitative feedback-based stuff really leaves a gap, I think, in the overall picture. Well, those are the sort of seven things I would say create this big gap. I don't know. What do you, what do you think to that list, Yako? It went on a bit, but... <laughs> yeah, I, I fully agree with all seven, seven of your points, and I actually wrote them down while you were speaking. So maybe you can write a blog about this. <laughs> yeah, like, this, is, this is really good stuff, and I, I fully agree um, on, on all of those, basically. And I think we're going to touch upon many of them. If we take those as a backdrop, yeah, right, Yako. Let let's go back to the beginning. When you think about the the future of how we track engagement, what what do you think we're looking at? What what's important? What's the changes we're going to see? Mm-hmm. Set some context for us. Yeah, absolutely. So my my list includes six items. Oh, okay. And so we've yeah. got a match up. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, but I have uh, a few different points. Okay, on great your list. So, um, yeah, like you said, the like engagement measurement has developed from like the early 1900s uh, when factories started to ask, like, when is your back going to break? Yeah. And <laughs> up until like um, the like 2010s, when we started ha- to have these like engagement solutions with mm-hmm. more dynamic um, information gathering. And um, yeah. But there are like still many directions in which it should develop. And I'm going to like um, address those through these six things. So the first one would be from static measures to agile measures. So that means that it's not once per year. It's it's something far more frequent uh, that it, that needs to happen. Like mm. people people experience different things different problems in their teams or how different teams collaborate and it's far too little information if you collect that once per year because you really want that data to be uh, kind of the backbone of what you should be talking about Mm -hmm. so you need to work on a more like frequent schedule to collect that data and that of course like brings some other requirements um, that it needs to be light and easy, easy for people to get that data or yep. uh, to generate that data some other way. Um, so uh, then the second point is from fragmented to integrated data pools. Okay. So even uh, today, most engagement solutions have very fragmented data. So they have like performance insights. Uh, they have engagements and well-being insights from those surveys. And these don't match. Yeah. No, but it would be hugely beneficial for companies to understand like their like performance cohorts, for instance, like how do different performance cohorts report their engage levels of engagement or well-being? Are there some like uh, real phenomena that you can identify? Um, Looking for the links there? between between different yeah. groups and different cohorts, right? Yeah, and one one trend. That's, that could be uh, extremely interesting is that the highest performing people want more autonomy and that they may be the only cohort that wants more autonomy mm. uh, in an organization. So that should be addressed by the leadership in that organization. But you can't identify that group if you look at the whole 
company or by teams because the highest highest performers are always like scattered uh, in in different teams so we need integrated data sets and that needs to, that needs to be like cross analyzed and co- companies need new capabilities to do that analysis on their data so we're going to see a lot of these inter- data integrators in the people analytics space team perspective being one of them then um from centralized to distributed actions okay so um we have seen these trends of self direction happen uh, a few years ago i think it's blown past now a bit uh but still uh the idea is there that companies want people to take responsibility and ownership and that includes also taking action on whatever insights uh, are available to them so it comes down to like distribute distributed responsibility uh, on the small things and of course like there's going to be centralized responsibility for some bigger things also in the future in in most companies but really kind of um putting more weight into getting every pe- every person uh, some form of access to those insights so that they can do the right thing this is what's really interesting because if i listen to those first two three points that you've made of your list of a list of six you know what we're really talking about here when i listen to you is a couple of things firstly there's a real nuanced focus on the data itself like the different perspectives the different groups the different links you know this is far more detailed and then secondly this is a typical thing i think i see in leadership development work that i might do or culture work that i might do is businesses companies organizations all want ownership accountability commitment but as Patrick Lynch, only wrote in five dysfunctions of a team. Those things can come and can be sustainable once you've established a very solid level of trust underneath and you have the mechanisms to challenge those things and to, you know, dig into some of that conflict to ask questions. We we, we started this conversation about uh, at people analytics as a conversation, as feedback, right? As a two as a two-way conversation. I just think it's fascinating how all of these things end up matching up. And the list that you've, you're only halfway through so so far still matches up to many of the kind of tenets that we talk about that are the backbone of delivering strong, enabling, sustainable cultures. Yeah, I fully, fully agree. And I like to simplify things. Yeah. So uh, the one point one <laughs> would be like, know what's up. And uh, the second point would be like, know what to do. Or figure out what to do, so uh, that's that's what what it comes down to. You don't get more simple than that, Yarko. That's for sure. <laughs> so sorry, look, I interrupted your list. So we were no only worries. halfway through. You carry on, my friend. Thank you. So the point number four is moving from browser uh, to communication platforms like Slack or Microsoft Teams. So in the last ten years. Uh, these communication platforms have really taken over all of the internal communication and many, many other processes in companies. So um, we really think that it's, it's going to happen that like people want to use uh, software inside those communication platforms rather than like have dozens of different solutions to log into. And yeah. that also applies to 
the IT department who is really struggling and also also the HR who have so many different solutions they need to use. So are you so, talking are you talking about using existing communication platforms to continually generate these these data points? Is that, is that as far as the survey is going to go through that, or is this goes way beyond surveys? What, what, what do you mean by this, I guess, this use of browser to communication platforms and the integration of it? Yeah, that's actually uh, another point uh, oh, <laughs> that okay, I'm, cool. I'm going to go into. But for, for this uh, point, I'm mainly referring to like answering surveys using using the solution inside Slack, inside Microsoft Teams without leaving there, without like switching context. Gotcha. Because that's that's when you lose many users when they yeah, switch yeah. context and loading screen takes time or you need to log in somewhere. Like um, it's easiest and fastest to do uh, inside these communication platforms. Sure. And I think that's, that's pretty much their strategy as well. So um, the next point that I can I can uh, skip actually to uh, is from uh, surveys to passive data. Okay. And this, this is this is extremely interesting in my opinion. So there are some communication patterns that you can identify uh, from like public Slack channels, for instance, regarding how people interact with each other and who reacts to whose uh, posts, stuff like that. Nice. And we can use that data to do an analysis, basically network analysis from that organization. And we can see how different people interact, who have influence uh, to whom in that organization. And uh, yeah, where, where there are basically silos and people don't collaborate. But you can also read some other things like um, about the role of someone in a team, whether they participate or not. It can be an indication of workload or psychological safety or some other issues in that team. And that's a whole new like area that's going to develop in the in the coming years through the use of organizational network analysis. And that's not the only only data source. Of course, there are calendars, there are email solutions and other other sources as well. Yeah, well, I don't want to mess up your list again. So I know you've got one more to come, but I'm holding that thought because I really want to dig into that organizational personal network stuff because that sounds fascinating. Absolutely. So the final thing on my list is uh, moving away from data dashboards into personalized guidance. And in just the few uh, last few months, we've seen a huge shift in how generative AI is being used. Mm in many, many industries and many solutions. And that's going to come into the engagement solution market as well. So people can act upon uh, these like bullet-pointed instructions way better than they can do uh, for from a data dashboard where they may see that, okay, my team's uh, motivational scores have gone down a second time in a row. Like, how is that actionable? What should I do? So <clears throat> that's that's absolutely a shift that's going to happen. Where is AI not getting involved in everything at the moment? I mean, yeah. it, it is just blowing up. I know there's a lot of scary stuff um, surrounding it at the moment, but there's also an awful lot of uh, amazing things that, that, that you can mm. do. Anybody that's 
already taken the pilot into their Excel or Word documents, you know, knows exactly what, what I'm talking about. What, can I ask you just your own personal thoughts right now, just based on you talking about the introduction of you know, generative AI within this sphere, where do you see that really helping and developing, Yako? What, what can you see it being there for in the future? Yeah, so the vision that we're building towards is to have this fully automated digital coach or assistant that is going to tell you, like, no matter if you're just an individual employee or a manager or the CEO or the head of HR, um, they're going to tell you what's relevant in, in the people data and what you should do about that. And um, we're quite close to this. And we have been like implementing the first first versions of this solution to our customers. So it's very exciting. I mean, this is the, this is ridiculously scary as in it, it, like in a positive sense yako right because uh, i have sat as a as a manager leader whatever you want to call me in in organizations and i get my numbers and i and i get my engagement results and i go straight to the verbatim comments and i try and pick out the pictures and i'm guilty of also sitting there going i know who said that that's blah 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 all the rubbish things that you end up doing as a leader um but it is always this piece around well so what what do i do because often yeah you get so much data <laughs> trying to make sense of it and prioritize where to go and who it, who it appeals to and uh, and why your team is different from another team and uh, because i think also with this amount of data and maybe this comes back to some of the, the the sort of pitfalls from before i do think organizations almost force themselves to simplify and then they go with the the thing that they think is going to affect most people and that's the follow-up action that comes out of a survey. That's not necessarily the thing that's going to have the most impact across different teams and individuals. But for simplicity's sake, well, we can tell everybody about that. You just sort of saying, as a leader or as a manager, I could get individually personalized insights about the the cultural dynamics in my team and how to change it, where to, where to go and who to give specific focus and actions to. I mean – yeah. We'll, we'll all be amazing leaders if this happens. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the dream, right? Yeah. Um, and I really think that if you have high quality data mm. and you have some like good practices in place and you have team perspective in place, <laughs> then, <laughs> then then uh, you're going to be a good leader. Is um, yeah, we give some tips like what how you can address different issues in a team setting or how you should approach organizing a workshop that addresses exactly that certain point. And we can also like create these automated uh, like one-on-one -on -one discussion points and help people schedule those, those meetings. And that those can combine information from pulse surveys, from the organizational network analysis, uh, performance metrics, or feedback. And those bullet points, those discuss discussion points just emerged uh, emerge into this one-to-one -one template. What I find fascinating about this is the ability it's going to give organizations to focus on the development of the skills to elicit the best responses from this stuff rather than trying to spend ages raking over the data. 
Yeah. So I am joking. So, oh, we'll get the data. We'll be great leaders. We've still got to deliver it. We've still got the, the emotional intelligence to have decent conversations. We've still got the commercial awareness to focus people in the right areas. But having this kind of backdrop of really interesting, accurate, nuanced, personalized, relevant data, there's <laughs> more adjectives I'm sure I could kind of throw at it, right, <laughs> would, would, would be fascinating. And then if I'm supported internally through my own personal development to really be able to have useful, meaningful, difficult, tough, empowering, enabling conversations with people, that kind of coach mentality. Mm. I mean, there's the best of both worlds there, you know, the, the, the insight and the ability to coach someone to perform yeah. better. I mean, that's Nirvana. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what we're going after. And it's, it's not enough to have like, data. Mm. It's definitely not, not enough. You also need to be able to prioritize like what data is significant and what's yeah important is there's there's a lot of things that are okay <laughs> a lot of things that, that are good and every every time there is something some problems in every team like those that's never going away no the best of teams on the best of days have problems <laughs> and it's just a matter of kind of identifying and talking talking about them so that they can figure out how, what to do about those and that's great, isn't it? Because that's that's where the focus really should be is 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 understanding that dynamic, having some data to point you in the right direction, mm. and then using your leadership skills to elicit the best action. Right? Yeah. Uh, any insight that backs that up will be will be amazing. Um, I've done it long enough. I've held off. I've tried not to interrupt, but come on, I need to understand more about this organizational and personal network analysis because that that sounds fascinating to me mm. do me a favor yako would you just give us a deeper insight into what this what this actually looks like tell me practically right so uh, organizational network analysis or ona as i'm uh, going to call it from oh there on. we go we love an acronym <laughs> come on <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it's uh, its own field of research basically so um it measures how people interact and when you had covid um the like uh, infections or how the disease spread mm -hmm. it was monitored using these same methods oh, how okay. people touch and move away from each other and take the uh, covid <laughs> to the next person right so these same principles were applied there but this ona is mainly for kind of analyzing how the organizational actually works how people interact with each other, what kind of groups they form, how those groups collaborate with each other, where are the gaps, who are the people who act as bridge between gaps uh, or between groups, and uh, like who are at the center of that network. And usually you have the executive team there at the center. They have the most influence. So when they have an opinion, they spread it far and wide, but you also have these like local uh, high demand people who then can spread ideas on a grassroots level. And yeah, it's, it's basically a, um, a CT scan of your organization. You see, you this is, <laughs> this is where being the idiot in the room really trips me up at times. So I speak to clever people like you. It's like, yeah, it's just simply this, this, this. And that. In my head, I'm going, okay, stop how where what are, what are you tracking um, right. to enable you to find these relationships i mean that sounds like 
even just from me listening to that little bit you said there, so many different data points, some mm. which I guess would be more trackable, like, I don't know, email contact perhaps as an example. But I guess if someone does a, a town hall or, or a leader does a, does a speech, you know, how do we know the effect that it's had from the, I don't, maybe I'm looking into, it in, into too much detail, but talk to me, how, how's that all sure. work? Yeah. So the first thing is like, where do we get that data? Yeah. And there are two different ways to do ONA. Uh, the first one is through surveys. Mm -hmm. So we ask every person, like, who do you regularly collaborate with? Mm -hmm. um, who supports your learning and development in this organization? Who provides you with leadership and guidance? Um, who gives you positive energy? And a few other questions. Uh, and you can ask basically any question, and it's going to create a network, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. people name their colleagues, their managers, whoever in in those surveys. So that's that's one way. And it gives really nuanced um, information about different people's roles yeah. regarding their capability to execute and their leadership skills and potential and their cultural uh, expertise. So, yeah, it's it's really like nuanced profiles. And this is where we get to all of those like personal network things as well but let me just tell you about the second way to mm. collect that data mm. uh, and it is from like um, passive data including microsoft teams messages uh, slack messages and uh, calendar markings and like attendee lists and emails and like all of that data is just sitting there and it can be used also to match uh, pretty much um, the collaboration um, layer of that like survey-based network, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. we, we get information about who's talking to whom, but we don't see the context. That's our approach. So we don't like read any any information. You're, just, you're just finding the, the connections between. Yes, them. it's yeah. only based on metadata. Uh, metadata of those messages so who sent it who received it was it like two-way or one way yeah and is it uh how's the reciprocity in those discussions usually yeah so in that in that reciprocity if this if there are people who are conversing more or they have more messages more contacts there's a stronger does this does the analysis suggest there's a stronger link yes. there does it i mean i don't know because you're not reading the, the messages themselves is it smart enough to work out whether that is a good <laughs> set of connections or uh, a challenging set of co connections well you would need to read the contents of yeah. those messages and that is too far off yeah, yeah, I, yeah. in my in my opinion and many others agree yeah <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe there's a company who would agree to like share with us every message that their <laughs> employees exchange but we don't want to i think uh, it, that there. that yeah. that will end up causing a whole bunch of big brother yeah. mistrust and what have you right and exactly no one wants to be spied on yeah. um i think it's just for me understanding the level of which this will go to or can can go to and the benefits that individuals will see as a result of it, right? If 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 all of this stuff can bring real benefit to, let's be fair, the individuals as well as the organization, then these things will be, I guess, more acceptable. Uh, people will will buy into this stuff more. 
yeah and it's it's again like helping people be more engaged also because if you don't have any connections inside the company like mm. it's it's important for you to know that by making those connections you will be more engaged yeah <laughs> that's that's the order of things like you need to build those connections first then you can be engaged to the company otherwise you don't have any touch points and yeah it's um it supports people in like increasing their well-being and engagement so i've not heard too many other people looking at this sort of network analysis stuff is it that new like i don't hear gallup talking about it for for for, for example so it, is this just smaller guys like your like yourself like really trying to push the the tech boundaries and and find new solutions or do you think it's an emerging thing that will that will get bigger i think it's definitely going to get bigger uh none of the big big companies lattice or culturamp or office vibe and what have you yeah they're not doing it mm. none of them are and i think they're really missing out out on a great opportunity because they they are blind to the actual organizational structure <laughs> so they they only have the plan mm. in you know org chart is a plan of how that organization sh- should work mm. uh, but it rarely matches the reality have you got clients working with you testing this sort of stuff now? What what yeah. what are they seeing? What what are the benefits they feel they're getting from it, Yarko? Tell, tell me about that. Yeah, I can I can share one example. And this is from a case study that's mm-hmm. on our website. Mm-hmm. So we did uh with one of our customers who had been using our like engagement surveys and pulse survey solution for a while, and they had their organization divided by competence groups. It's a okay. consulting consulting firm. Okay. And one of these con- uh, like competence groups uh, were was really struggling. They were losing talent. Their pulse scores uh, were quite weak in mm. engagement and well-being, and it, it was obvious that there are some issues. And they had no idea like what's causing them. And then we ran this uh, network analysis or ONA, which was entirely survey based, by the way. And what we found out is that they are absolutely not linked to anyone in the senior leadership. Like this oh, wow. whole competence oh, group wow. uh, had almost zero links. And the reason for that was not straightforward. There was a competence group, um, well, holders basically, uh, who were much bigger. There were more, more people and they were surrounding the leadership team in that organization. Like they exhausted all of the kind of collaboration links from leadership so that they didn't have any time or capacity to any other competence groups. And then the other competence groups, they just attached to this like larger body of coders in that organization. And they had no idea that this is happening. Wow. And yeah. (laughs) Here's your initial thought on what you just said is there's a problem with that team. Mm. Traditionally, you'd only see the problem with that competence group. You wouldn't yeah. have seen the influence that another group has had on their ability to network with other senior individuals, right? So your yeah. solution would have been way offline if you hadn't right. had that insight. How yeah. interesting. Wow. And so what, is, what's happened as a, as a result? Well, this is a fresh study. So oh, they, wow, cool. We're looking to do the next, next uh, ONA in, I think, six weeks. So, yeah, really looking forward to seeing those results. 
but this was like jaw dropping. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously for the like executive team where we had that workshop and showed the results. And yeah, like you said, uh, whatever they thought the problem was, it wasn't that. <laughs> wow. Uh, and what they need to do is to start saying no to people. Basically, they, they need to draw some boundaries, build some processes into like that larger competence group uh, so that they don't have to interact with individual people as much so that they can use that time to coordinate the other work and other competence groups. That and, is fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm my head is racing <laughs> at the moment thinking about yeah. teams I've worked in or clients I've worked with and you, you just use the data you, you've got but the focus of that stuff's always on well why is this team performing like that sort mm. that sort them out yeah not uh, you're not able to see clearly necessarily what the other effects are whereas almost immediately in this piece you can see that it's it's issues external to that team that are causing blockages which is i mean you might have got there in traditional stuff but not as quickly Mm. Um, it would have taken a load more man hours to get to that and yeah. then and your solutions would have been completely different wow that's that's fantastic yeah Amazing. you want to hear another example yeah of course i do Come on. <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh there's a company who has like multiple different sales organization across mm -hmm. different time zones across the world in different countries and they they have their headquarters um in northern europe mm -hmm. so when they did an ONA, they were quite surprised to see that these country organizations, like almost uh, none of them were collaborating with the product team in that organization. Only the biggest, more, most like senior or um, like uh, oldest country units were doing that. Mm -hmm. And uh, what that means is that those markets cannot get their feedback across to the product development, which means that they cannot serve that market. You know, they, they can't implement changes in the product that would help serve that market. And they had different needs. Yeah. And the frustration was, of course, like <laughs> uh, visible in, yeah. in those units. And uh, it, it was really hard to kind of uh, put, put a finger on the actual issue because they just like thought that, they're not listening yeah. to our, us. And partly that's true, but there was just lacking co collaboration with the product management and the, um, the country units. And that's, that's like a very business critical if a company wants to grow on multiple markets to get that uh, collaboration link working. And again, something else they would not necessarily have seen immediately. Right. Yeah. But a fundamental. A, yeah. a, funda a fundamental and again points you in different directions blimey right and it's only just started imagine imagine when more case studies and everything build up and yeah. more benefits are kind of seen just by some of this i'm going to use incorrectly sort of high level analysis but that's that's brilliant that is fantastic let's have a little think about how to summarize where we've got to in this very short space of time yako okay because there's so much that you kind of shared in where things are moving in really getting to some actionable people analytics and moving away from, I guess, traditional surveys. If you were to leave my listeners 
with three little pieces of advice they could fit on sticky notes. This is the area of the show we call sticky notes. What would you leave stuck around their laptop screens to help them really think about this stuff differently? Yeah. In short, my uh, three sticky notes would be to first be curious. Second, get relevant data. (laughs) And third, use that data. (laughs) But yeah, we can, of course, put some flesh around that. (laughs) You you like things simple, Yako, and that was very simple. I do. <laughs> Put some flesh on it for me then. Go yeah, on. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, it's it's all a matter of like growth mindsets and being open to hearing people out. And that's that starts with you, <laughs> like no matter your role or job, job description, um, it starts with you. Like be open uh, to learn and be curious to mm-hmm. learn. Then the second one um, is to get relevant data. And here I would look beyond surveys. I would look beyond uh, like traditional engagement solutions. I would try and do some some sort of organizational network analysis, uh, just to like get a full picture of what's going on, how the company works, especially when companies are implementing different changes, downsizing or restructuring, so that they can compete in tougher mm. times. Mm. So it's really hard to change what you can't see. Uh, so yeah, I would definitely look into ONA. And then third one is to use that data and also to kind of get everyone access to whatever data is relevant for them. Because people want to do the right thing. At least I, I believe that. And I hope many, many others do as well. People want to like do good work. It's the internal motivation driver to be competent. So having access to data that's relevant, that's actionable, is the like third, third part then to put that data into full use. Yeah, once you've got it, you better use it. Yako, they are three great little sticky notes there, mate, and a fantastic effort to simplify some of the things that you've talked about with <laughs> us today. If people want to dig into this more, where can they go to find out more, Yako? Uh, I would start with teamspected.com uh, and search our uh, book a demo button there, or maybe subscribe to our newsletter or other resources there. Uh, you can also uh, find me on LinkedIn, Jaakko Kaikuluoma. I'm sure you can find my surname uh, in the show notes. <laughs> yes, no worry. <laughs> and yeah, do do connect, ask me what's up and ask me if you have any questions regarding this. I'm I'm really curious to talk with all of your listeners, so bring it on. Brilliant. Oh, Yako, that was a wonderful stuff, mate. Thank you so much for filling my head with stuff that's going to be with me for ages. I really appreciate that. Um, and thank you so much for coming on. I know you're busy. It's been it's been fantastic. Thank you, Andy. It's a great pleasure uh, to do this episode with you. Thank, well, thank you. you, my friend. You you take care. Well, everyone, that was Yako. Kai Kuloma. And if you'd like to find out a bit more about him or any of the subjects that we've talked about today, please go ahead and check out the show notes. So, that concludes today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it, found it interesting, and heard something maybe that will help you become a stickier, more successful business from the inside going forward. If you have, 
please like, comment and subscribe. It really helps. I'm Andy Gorham and you've been listening to the Sticky from the Inside podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening.